Time once again for the Built by Bama online podcast. That's right. We do this on a weekly basis this time of year. But if there is breaking news, we're going to chime in with an extra episode or two. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you. Joined, as always, by my colleagues there at BOL. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide from a team perspective. Charlie, how are you today? I'm great, man. Great to be on another podcast. Time to do it. And let's check in with Hank South, covers recruiting for BamaOnline.com. I asked Hank if he was up to speed on The Bachelorette because, of course, right here from Tuscaloosa, we have a local representative as this season's Bachelorette. And, Hank, uh, it didn't sound like you did your Bachelorette homework this week. No, I'm I'm about three years removed from my last uh, Bachelorette viewing um we've kind of fallen off that train but I, i'm gonna have to check it out now I, I was not aware that it was a tuscaloosa native on the bachelorette this year big bama fan hannah from tuscaloosa although she went to county high school here in the tuscaloosa area so that technically qualifies as northport mm-hmm. you know in my book and that that's kind of the the tenet i go by guys you are from where you went to high school. Do you guys agree with that? You, you know, you might've been born in one town, went to elementary school somewhere else, but wherever you went to high school, that is where you're from. Do you agree with that guys? 100%. I'd agree. It, it's your, it's your most formative years in high school. All right. All right. But you also got to, when, when you're, you know, broadening your horizons and going out and branching out away from your hometown, sometimes people aren't going to know where Northport Alabama is. So there's, to remove the confusion sometimes Tuscaloosa is easier and save some headaches so I get it but, but um yeah I mean they've been throwing that Hannah is from Tuscaloosa in your face I mean she and <laughs> Chris Harrison went to Raymond pajamas for God's sake so um they, they haven't shown Northport a lot of love let's just say that no and I I, I think the over under for roll tides in that premiere <laughs> episode the other night was like 37 and a half and I think it still went over by the way, I think they, they got 38 roll tides in there uh, in an hour program. But uh, we're going to shift gears. We're going to get into something actually on topic, stuff that we actually do for a living, and that's cover Alabama football, Alabama basketball, some Alabama football and basketball recruiting. Guys, we got a couple of important mile markers coming up. You've got summer enrollees on the way for the Alabama football team, which sounds amazing, right? Because of the quality of players and the quantity that we saw on the practice field in the spring, Charlie, it's hard to imagine another dozen, I guess, making their way to Tuscaloosa in a couple weeks. It really is. You had 15 early enrollees go through spring practice. Um, you know, all five of your offensive linemen, uh, both your quarterbacks. Uh, you had some players at key positions. You had players step up that I don't think many did, uh, thought would guys like DJ Dale and, and John Mechie and, you still got, like you said, 12 more coming in. You've got, um, you know, the five-star Trey Sanders, who Alabama and, and Nick Saban left the door open to maybe grab that third spot in the running back rotation. You have, what, four defensive backs coming in, three more defensive linemen, some more linebackers in your lone tight end of the group. So, and that's just, you know, off the top of my head. It's not even looking at a list. So, yeah, they'll be here on the, most of them will be moving in on the 27th. They're, you know, talking to some of them, they've picked out their roommates. So, I know they're all eager to get on campus. I know not only the staff, but Alabama fans are, are excited to see this next wave of players too. Yeah, Charlie's been doing some great stuff, and I'm sure you've already seen it. If not, check for it on BamaOnline.com with some of those upcoming summer enrollees. Hank, one guy of that group that's coming in that maybe we haven't talked about enough 
in advance of his arrival. We're going to talk about Trey Sanders some more coming up later in the pod because we're going to get really into the running back position. But give me a guy that could be under the radar a little bit that could be impactful on this 2019 team. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could go down the list and really pick any one of them uh, for the most part. Um, I, I think we touched on him a, a couple weeks ago on, on the pod, uh, Byron Young. I think he's a guy that that could really make his case. Once he gets adjusted and kind of gets acclimated to to being in the program and, and just college life in general, all that, uh, I think he could be a guy that maybe competes to get in that rotation on the defensive line. Uh, we saw him up up close at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. And on the first day, you know, he was kind of, I think he was kind of, you know, just getting used to it. Uh, Obviously, it's a little bit different level of competition than what he was used to facing at the high school level. But, you know, come day two, he was all over the place making plays. I mean, he's just a really strong kid. Um, So, you know, he's been one of my favorite recruits in that in that 2019 class. Um, You know, he looks the part. Uh, you you can tell why Alabama coveted him so much um, coming out of Mississippi. So I, I'm going to go with Byron Young. But, you know, looking down that list, you, you got guys like DeMarco Hellams. That's just a playmaker. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley. I mean, a tight end. You, know, you never know. Uh, he, nobody really talked about him much coming out of Chicago. Uh, but, you know, he, he can do big things as well. So it, it'll be fun to see these guys kind of develop and, and uh, get used to being in the system. Yeah, we'll break them down uh, a good bit more on next week's pod. That's the expectation in advance of those arrivals. You mentioned Ellums. I'm very intrigued by this guy because I've watched some tape of him, and you're right. Uh, he makes his presence felt uh, in the second level. And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying this is going to happen, okay? I'm just saying. That's always the nice out, right? The nice caveat before you say <laughs> something that you're really saying, but you're not saying it. I think Ellums could be a guy that in time could play linebacker at Alabama. Am I am I crazy for thinking that, guys? I mean, he's 6'1", I guess 205. But again, just the way he plays the game and what I've seen on tape, and I'm not advocating for a move to, to linebacker. I'm just looking at the situations right now and with the way the position is sort of evolved because of the need to be able to play in coverage and, you know, all the different sub packages that you play these days. Am I, am I nuts is all I'm asking. Cause I know you guys will shoot me straight on that one topic. I know that. No, well, I, I agree. You know, he, he, like you said, uh, like the linebacker position nowadays, you, you have to get out in coverage. And that was kind of everyone's, uh, I, I guess one problem with Shane Lee uh, or one, I guess, criticism not criticism critique of Shane Lee was you know could he play the linebacker position and kind of drop back and get in pass coverage and he's done nothing but show he can do that uh both at the opening and then uh, obviously at a day he got in his getting an interception but DeMarco Helms you know I think he totally fits that bill of maybe a a guy that could develop into that and and kind of like Christian Harris he's a guy I think that can play uh or has played a number of positions uh he's just an instinctual player and you know with that frame he's he can put weight on and so I would definitely agree with that what about it, Charlie? Am I nuts as usual? Uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, I, I do think there is something to say, though, about that linebacker position because it is changing. You see it not only in college, but in the NFL, um, the guys that are being taken. Um, you look at a guy like Devin Bush. He's not the biggest linebacker in the world. and He was taken with the number 10 pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, it's, it's a changing position. You're not having those big thumpers. You're not having a guy like Reggie Ragland or a trade of priest, you can, you can go down the line just in the Nick Saban era of the, the bigger linebackers. That is not necessarily what the position is anymore. They're leaner players. Um, I know Dylan Moses um, isn't 205, 
or anything like that. But he's not a big hulking linebacker out there. But he has the speed to drop back in coverage and and do what you need him to do from that perspective in the passing game. So I don't think it's that outlandish. Um, you know, maybe he starts out closer to the line of scrimmage as a, a star of money. I think a money role like a like a Ronnie Harrison can maybe. Uh, get his foot in the door, put his toe in the water in terms of maybe moving to linebacker. Um, but uh, I think that would probably just be maybe later in his career after he obviously adds a little bit more weight. Yeah, I think the money spot, total agreement there. Uh, watching again this guy on tape, I, I think Helms could be really good really early uh, at that spot. Uh, of course, again, he's a safety. We get that. That's what he was signed as. Uh, but it's just intriguing to look at the different spots now, again, with the way the game continues to change on both sides of the ball. Uh, something new we're going to implement on today's program. We're going to do that in just a little bit. But first, Trendon Wadford we got to get to as well when we talk about mile markers because he is announced to be a social media, Hank. I know you saw this, that he plans to make his announcement, his commitment to his school of choice on Monday of next week at Mountain Brook High School. I was checking those crystal balls, Hank, and I saw where I guess about a month ago you put yours in for LSU. 94% of the crystal balls right now for Trendon Wadford, siding with LSU, 6%, not with Alabama, but the University of Memphis. Is that kind of where it sits right now, in your opinion, Hank, for Alabama and Nate Oates with Trendon Wadford? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think the Tigers have the edge heading into heading into Monday. And, you know, he, he did announce he's announcing on May 20th, but he was supposed to announce on April 20th. He was, <laughs> you know, it feels like this has been the entire spring of it was when, tr- when is training Damn Watford, millennials. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but I, I think May 20th will be the day for him. But at the same time, you know, he's already gone past the signing period. He's not going to be signing a letter of intent. He's just going to enroll at his next stop. So he's really not going to be bound to any school. Uh, because he didn't sign in that that one month window, he had the chance to, uh, which a lot of recruits don't realize. You don't have to do. You don't have to sign a letter of intent. Um, it does bind you to the school, but uh, we we kind of saw that with Demetrius Robertson a few years ago. It's not it's not a requirement. So that's the route Trenton Watford is going. Um, I do like LSU for him at this point. The only thing I would watch, and I, I talked to his dad earlier this week, or I guess last weekend, and he and he said. Album is still being considered. Um, they've never said album is not being considered, um, along with Memphis and Indiana and, of course, LSU. Uh, Bama does have that one spot left, and, and you would think maybe, I mean, they are maybe holding it in case last minute change of heart uh, for Trenton Watford that he decides to come to Alabama. Um, there's some other guys out there that are recruiting like a James Rojas um, out of Hutchinson Community College that was signed with Buffalo. Um, he's a forward that uh, he, he's he's trying to come to Alabama. He hopes to come to Alabama, but he's kind of just waiting to see how things unfold. Uh, I, I'm assuming, presumably with Trenton Watford, um, I guess that would be the case. And, and and so yeah, you know, we'll find out on Monday. But I, I do think it'll I do think he'll pick LSU when it's all said and done. But it's worth tuning in, especially you know ha- having tracked this recruitment for four years and following it, as you noted, even beyond Monday, because he won't be bound by a letter of intent uh, unless he just goes ahead here in the early summer, which a lot of kids do, even in basketball now, and enrolls somewhere other than Alabama. It'll still be worth something tracking beyond early next week uh tease the built by bama big thing that's a new feature we're going to go with with both charlie and hank here on the podcast the built by bama online podcast with that we're going to go with charlie first charlie 
your one big thing on the Built by Bama podcast, Built by Bama online podcast, as it relates to the teams at the University of Alabama? Yeah, I'm going to stick with basketball because yesterday, um, University of Alabama's Board of Trustees Compensation Committee met and they approved new contracts for new men's basketball coach Nate Oates and assistant Antoine Petway, who's returning uh, for another stint uh, with the Crimson Tide. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's something that maybe gets glossed over a little bit because the contract details for Nate Oates kind of came out soon after his hiring. We all knew it was going to be a five-year deal. And um, you know, his, his annual salary, when he put in um, you know, the, the base salary, the talent fee, and then ex- uh, the amount that's going to be in his expense account is going to be just shy of $2.5 million. But it's official now. It's approved. And that's kind of a biggish news coming off the heels of uh, Michigan making a coaching change. And a lot of people maybe pointed to NATO as being a possibility at Michigan. Um, and we see now his contract is official. He's got that signed. It's, it's, uh, it was voted upon by the Board of Trustees. And um, that's one less thing for them to worry about. Obviously, things can change, but, you know, he has some buyouts and things in his contract. And, um, you know, it's it's a big step in the right direction and a big step in the next step for Alabama basketball. It's also big for them to lock down Antoine Petway for another two years. Um, he got about a $43,000 raise up to $325,000. He signed through June of 2021. And uh, everybody knows that he's a big recruiter for Alabama, especially here in the state. And added with what Nate Oates and, and Brian Hodgson bring from a recruiting aspect up in Buffalo, uh, they should have a formidable recruiting staff here in Tuscaloosa. So um, you know, your men's basketball coach was locked down for five years. Um, the assistant that everybody wanted to see return is here for another two years. And um, I think we should be hearing from Nate Oates here for the, the latter portion of the month. Uh, I think they're going to have some media availability. So we'll see what how things stand with the state of Alabama uh, basketball and, and where he is and, and moving in with his family here in Tuscaloosa. And the finalization of these contracts, Charlie, those are typically on a docket well in advance, right? In other words, this wasn't in direct response to what happened at Michigan earlier in the week. This was something that was probably scheduled for the board of trustees compensation committee. And then it, it goes from there. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, you look last year, um, you know, shortly after the season, they had one of these for uh, extensions for the um, the three assistants and Avery Johnson, and um, they released contract details for that. And it's just, you know, whenever they have time, and, and they do set them up well in advance. Um, I know we only get the the alert or the media announcement the day before but now these things are planned out um i think it worked out well for alabama with the timing just because <laughs> of what happened with michigan and kind of the, the slight uproar that happened on um on twitter i know fans and people on our message board whether it was on social media or, or there um were a little bit hysteric wondering if they're going to lose their coach before they even see him coaching the game but um now nah, it's it, it was something that's that's been planned and you just got to have to iron out the details and everything like that. And Alabama's done that now. Yeah. You mentioned the buyout uh, situation with Nate Oates and uh, good young rising coach. No one's saying he isn't, but for the kind of numbers we're talking about, that's the money that's committed to someone like a Calipari or a more established national championship caliber coach, maybe a Billy Donovan or someone brad stevens or or someone of that ilk but uh still good to get that done on both fronts as you said charlie not just with nate oates but securing 
Antoine Petway as sort of one of that top recruiters, although Brian Hodgson, I think we're going to find out, going to be a pretty prolific guy on the recruiting trail as well. Let's shift gears. Let's go over to Hank. Hank, you're one built by Bama online big thing from a recruiting perspective. Yeah, I'm going to go with football on this one and talk about Justin Flo. He's the nation's number one inside linebacker number three overall player in the 24-7 sports composite. Um, and, and I want to talk about just Bama's involvement with them. You know, there's been this perception, I feel, that pe- of people that follow Alabama recruiting in the last month or two, um, despite the class being highly ranked, is that it's kind of a down year. And, you know, I, I think people are seeing what Clemson's doing on the recruiting trail. They're seeing what LSU's doing on the recruiting trail and, and even Georgia as of late and kind of getting this feeling like, you know, what's Bama doing? What, what, where are these five-star guys that we're so accustomed to getting? And, uh, you know, as silly as it may seem, you know, looking at it, uh, it, it is something, you know, we, we've been tracking for a while. And, and a guy like Justin Flo, uh, the, the number one inside linebacker in the nation and priority position for Alabama in this 2020 class, there was kind of some concern about where he stood with Bama as far as his interest in the program after Tosh Lupoy, uh, uh left the staff for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and, and I caught up with him earlier this week. Uh, first time I've talked to him in, in a couple of months. He, he's pretty hard to get. As you can imagine, he's probably getting his phone blown up every day. Uh, but he, he talked about Pete Golding uh, and his relationship with with the Alabama defensive coordinator. He said he talks to him every day. He considers him like a big uncle. So that that's a good thing. He said I asked him about Tosh Lupoy leaving and how that affected things because at the time he did say that uh, with Tosh leaving, he kind of wanted to get back to Tuscaloosa and reconnect with the staff, kind of figure out where things were going from there. And it sounds like Pete Golding and, and Steve Sarkeesian, Nick Saban, I think it sounds like they've all bridged the gap pretty well for him uh, as far as, you know, keeping that contact up and, and keeping the interest level up and, and making sure he's known he's a, pri- he knows he's a priority target of the staffs. And, uh, you know, talking to these recruits, you get a lot of recruit talk, you know, uh, kind of the not boring quotes, but kind of the same stuff. A lot of the time, uh, not with Justin flow. That was not the case. Um, I asked him what, uh, what the message was from Nick Saban, you know, what, what was Nick Saban's recruiting pitch to try to, to try to get him to, uh, to come to Tuscaloosa. And I, and I'll read the quote because it's so good. He said, he feels like I can come in there and be the next great linebacker at Alabama, like Mac Wilson. He feels like I can be like him. Honestly, I feel like I could be better than him. I feel like I'm a different breed. So, you know, you got, you got this confidence in this guy like Justin Flo, which is good. You want to, you want a confident, uh, linebacker inside linebacker being the quarterback of the defense, uh, and certainly, you know, he's looking at Alabama. He's looking kind of uh, at the program as a whole. He's familiar with it. He knew who Mac Wilson was. He's been following them from afar. And so he's going to be a fun one to watch coming up. He said he's going to put out a top five or top three here in the near future. I'd imagine Alabama will be in that group. And I'd imagine he'll be on campus at some point in the summer, um, if not for an official visit down the road. So big time, big time player at the inside linebacker position. If you watch his tape, you know, he, a lot of people say he, he reminds him of Ruben Foster. He's just a really physical, violent linebacker. He, uh, he, he definitely, uh, people feel the contact when, when he makes it. So, uh, we'll be watching him the next few, uh, few months and, uh, it should be a fun one to track. You know, I think, Hank, a couple of the major storylines moving forward on the recruiting front is whether Alabama can sustain in a couple of areas where they've lost coaches. You mentioned Tosh Lapoy on the West Coast, Mike Loxley in D.C., Baltimore, uh, the DMV up there. I see where Clemson has had some success of late, I guess, in that area. Georgia has had some success. What are the early returns right now? You mentioned flow, but but also 
up there in that D.C. area. What what are we seeing early following the departures of Lapoy uh, in Loxley? Yeah, you know, it it sounds like Bama's, like I said, kind of with, with Flo and, and uh, Tosh leaving, kind of bridging that gap and keeping up keeping the communication, keeping the lines of communication open between these top guys, it sounds like it's gone really well. You know, I was talking to somebody in Louisiana yesterday that was just raving about Pete Golding and his connections in that. He's obviously from Louisiana, but he's just really tied in uh, with the high school programs in the state. He, he knows the coaches, he knows the people, and he can relate to these kids being from the state. And I, I know uh, with Golding, a lot of people were saying, you know, Bama didn't get Henry Toa Toa. They didn't get Nicobe Dean at the end of the 2019 cycle. But if you look at who he who he has gotten, you know, he, he went in there and got Ishmael Sobsher, who people considered a lock to LSU for the longest time. He got guys like Byron Young. You know, he's still doing work down there. He's been in Louisiana this week um, and in Texas. So, uh, you know, I think Pete Golding has really filled in nicely there. Charles Huff gets a lot of gets a lot of uh, praise from these recruits we talked to. Holman Wiggins has been getting some really positive buzz and, buzz and obviously, you know, um, Salson Seri as well. They, they all – they all offer something different, and I think all the recruits are. Uh, it's all it's all it's all resonating with the recruits really well, and I th- I think uh, it, the the staff is kind of starting to gel together really well, and I think that'll show once uh, camp season comes around and these and they can be around the recruits more in a uh, on an on campus setting. So there you go, the Built by Bama online podcast, big thing from both Charlie Potter and Hank South, and now we want to get positional. It's the time of year where you look more at the nuts and bolts of this Alabama football team. Again, as we get ready to start, what is essentially the the calendar football year these days, guys? Once the early enrollees get here and the returning players come back on campus after Memorial Day, it's pretty much on. Well, let's be honest. It used to be August. Now it's early June. And with that, today we're going to look at the running back position. Charlie, you talked about Trey Sanders earlier in the podcast Kind of give us an outline between Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Jerome Ford, Jadarius Townsend getting a look at the running back position in the spring. How did you sort of grade that group coming out of March and April? I thought they performed maybe better than I anticipated. Um, Entering the spring, the running back position was arguably the thinnest for Alabama. You only had three true scholarship players there in Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, and Jerome Ford. Um, you know, we were kind of looking for Chadarius Townsend um, on the first couple of days of practice. Didn't know if he was going to be a receiver or cornerback. Well, it turns out he's actually a running back to provide some depth there. So much needed depth. And, um, you know, I, I think going into the scrimmages, coming out of those scrimmages, uh, Alabama felt a little bit better about the depth they had there. Jerome Ford showed some good things. I thought Chadarius Townsend, just from hearing from people that went to the scrimmage and the people in the program, that he kind of has that Kenyon Drake like ability and can maybe fit that role um, you know this season if he's going to get some playing time and, and that's always comforting to hear for an Alabama fan that a guy that hasn't really had that much of a role outside of special teams is kind of cut from the same cloth as a Kenyon Drake so um, I think Nick Saban is very, very comfortable with what he has at the top in Najee Harris and Brian Robinson uh, but like I said earlier um, every time that he talked about the running back position he left that door open for one of these two freshmen that are coming in at the end of the month, and Trey Sanders or Keelan Robinson to come in and to seize that number three spot because we've seen in the past that it's been open for true freshmen to take. Um, you just go down the, the line when Alabama's had that three-headed monster, um, you know, two running back systems, a freshman has is, is more than often than not been there. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys getting on campus. Um, I know a guy like Trey Sanders isn't lacking in the confidence department. 
So um, it'll be really interesting to see what his role is once he gets on campus and once we're back out there on the practice field for fall camp. Charlie, the presence of Chadarius Townsend at running back in the spring, obviously the quest to find the fit for Chadarius Townsend a couple, three years into his time in the program is, is a big part of all that. But with a couple of 225-pound backs in Najee Harris and also Brian Robinson, I got the sense that they're looking for something a little different stylistically and maybe in terms of skill set and, and giving Townsend a look there. Um, did you get that feeling um, that that was a part of it too? Because you know, we've seen it most recently with Josh Jacobs, uh, Kenyon Drake, who you mentioned. Uh, there's always been sort of that different guy uh, of late. It, 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 you get the sense that's what Alabama's looking for to go along with those top two guys? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, that's a that's a role in a, in a player that you've seen kind of excel in the NFL. Uh, the running back position is evolving at that level. And we've seen, you know, some years you have a bunch of first round picks at the running back position. This year, Josh Jacobs was the only one and he was in the latter portion of the first round. So it, it's always changing and teams are looking for like that that Alvin Kamara type player that can play. Um, not only between the tackles, but can get out and split out as a wide receiver and do a lot of versatile things. And I think Chadarius Townsend presents Alabama with that. Um, obviously, we know what Najee Harris and Brian Robinson can do. Um, you know, they're those bulldozing bags that can um, get three yards in a cloud of dust uh, anytime they touch the football. But um, I, I think to to mix things up and to have that player that can that can make plays in the passing game. Not saying those guys can't, but is more. I guess made uh, as a receiver is something that this offense could really benefit from. And uh, who knows what his role will be this fall, if that's what he uh, cuts out in this offense. I think it would make a lot of sense with Tua coming back and to take some pressure off of those receivers, because I think that's something that uh, Alabama is going to ask Tua to do a little bit more is to check down to his running backs on the backfield because we didn't see that a lot. And if they have a guy like Townsend in there, um, you know, that can open things up for this offense. So it's a possibility. I think it would be an interesting one to see. And uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition. Yeah, they like to go with that two-back set the last couple of years that Jacobs was a part of. They get the two running backs on the field together, and they had some differing skill sets, I think you could say. They, they forced defenses to defend them from sideline to sideline when they had Josh Jacobs in there, whether it was on jet sweep motion or just uh, in the backfield with, it seemed like Najee Harris most of the time is what we saw last year with those two guys. And we would see that very early in games. What about it, Hank, in terms of maybe giving some juice uh, to that backfield like Josh Jacobs did last year, especially uh, Trey Sanders. Is, is he that kind of guy? I would think he is. And, and Keelan Robinson. The, the other guy, not to be disrespectful, but that's pretty much the way he's been viewed. Um, from that standpoint, can can one or both of these guys, you think, early uh, give that to the offense? And is Robinson healthy? Do, do we know that he'll be good to go? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, with Trey Sanders, uh, I think that's honestly one of his strengths that doesn't get talked about enough is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And, you know, whether he can line up a receiver and do that consistently, I mean, it'll, it remains to be seen. But I, I certainly think he's going to come in and uh, and compete to play early. You know, at his national signing day ceremony, he talked about how he's going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony this this uh, this December. So, uh, like Charlie said, he's not lacking in the confidence department there. Uh, but no, I, I mean, at the opening uh, finals last summer, 
Trey Sanders, I mean, every play he was making, and, and it's seven on seven, so I mean, there's not much running the ball. Uh, with, with So they don't really use the running backs much in that setting, but every ball that was thrown to him, he was catching and he was making plays um, after the catch. So that'll be certainly something to watch. And, and same thing with Keelan Robinson. And as, as far as Keelan's health, you know, uh, he, he was kind of banged up last fall, held him out a few, they held him out uh, for, for a good bit of the season with a knee injury. He said it wasn't serious. Um, he had some, he had surgery on it in the off season. Um, he, he hasn't really said much about it, but uh, I, I believe he is expected to, to, to make a full recovery there. And uh, as far as timetable, I'm not sure. Um, I, I would probably give the edge um, to Trey Sanders as far as, you know, a guy that can come in and contribute early uh i'd probably give him that nod over keelan robinson but uh yeah you know keelan kind of presents the same uh kind of skill set um th- of that you know that back that can do more than just run between the tackles so uh it'll be fun to watch once they get on campus here in a few weeks here's the part where both of you get to tell me i've lost my mind again <laughs> um i'm gonna go with trey sanders having a ceiling of being the number two back in the offense. And I know people hear that and you think, well, Brian Robinson, it could be co one or could end up being the one Uh, he could be, but I just think guys with some of that different dynamic that Sanders is going to bring to the table. I just think it's going to be hard not to get him touches early. If nothing else, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back deep on kickoffs, but uh, what about it? Trey Sanders as potentially the number two guy at some point in that rotation. And that's with everybody healthy during the 2019 season, Charlie. Yeah, I think if you say his ceiling is the number two back, I don't disagree with that. I think he can potentially come in and do that. Um, he's a five-star recruit, the number one running back in the nation. We've seen what he's been able to do at that level. And the guy's not lock- lacking in confidence. He might have a come to Jesus, come to earth moment when he gets to Alabama, when he meets a guy like Dylan Moses or something. But I, I think that he's a guy that could definitely contribute in his first year and contribute in a big way. Uh, I like that you mentioned special teams because I think that's a, a niche he can carve out. They obviously have some some talented guys returning. Um, we know what Jalen Waddle can do on punts, but on kickoffs, um, you know, they, they have some options there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think Brian Robinson gets overlooked a lot, but – uh, it's just the nature of the beast with the recruiting world that we live in that if you have a five-star recruit coming in that Nick Saban has adamantly left the door open for playing time, then you know that uh, it's going to be a possibility. So I think Brian Robinson is going to have a big year. I think Najee Harris is going to have a big year. And I think that um, Trey Sanders is going to have a big year. We saw all three running backs last year, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris get a lot of carries. Um, I think Alabama is still going to have they're still going to try to have a balanced approach on offense, so they're going to have carries to give around. So uh, I think that saying that he could potentially rise to be the number two running back, no, I don't think that's outlandish at all. So when we look at the potential for this group, Brian Robinson too, right? He he can be a hybrid guy, can he? I mean, we've seen him line up at sort of a lead back position in front of uh, a running back in some two-back sets. So uh, I guess the, the best news in all this is that with the arrival, especially of Trey Sanders, it offers Sark an opportunity to be even more imaginative with the position than he was in the spring, which is a time where you don't usually do too many things that are all that outlandish. How about an over-under for carries? Over-under for carries for Trey Sanders in 2009. I'm going to set it at 89 and a half. Do you think he gets to 90 carries, guys, as a true freshman? Go ahead, Hank. Ooh, 
That's tough. I, I'm going to say yes, just, you know, based off we, – we've seen young guys come in and running back before. It seems like, you know, Josh Jacobs contributed early. Even B.J. Emmons back when he was still on the team, he, he contributed early. Um, I, I think he can kind of, you know, carve out a niche for himself and, and, and compete for carries in that offense. I'm going to say over. Um, I, I think he's going to have a pretty solid freshman campaign. What about it, Charlie? Is that high? Is that low? No, I think he can do that. I think he can get 100-plus carries. You look at last year, um, all three running backs had at least 117 carries. Damian Harris led the group with 150. Josh Jacobs had 120. And obviously, he got a bulk of the carries late in the year and started doing things on the Wildcat. And then Najee Harris had 117. So I think he can easily get to 100 if he's uh, that number three back. And if if he moves into the number two spot, he's going to eclipse that by even more. And I think one of the big things is, too, that – you don't have a guy like Jalen Hurts in town anymore. Um, I know that that Jalen didn't have that significant of a role, but he came in the SEC championship game. He came in late in games, and he's taking up some carries. He had 36 last year, and and that's not going to be there too. So those are some carries to to go around and disperse between those other three. So, yeah, I think 90 carries if he stays healthy and um, maybe stays a little humble, I think he can definitely get to that number. Well, the thing he doesn't have to worry about is talking to the media, unless it's in a uh, bowl-slash-college-football playoff <laughs> setting. I don't think we're going to hear a lot uh, from Trey Sanders once he, he hits campus. And real, um, and real quick, tra- uh, Travis, I do want to mention, just throw this into the equation, and this is a hypothetical at this point. You know, there's hasn't been any, there's not much traction at it, on it yet, but uh, we reported a, a, couple, a week or so ago, Tavian Feaster, the Clemson grad transfer running back, um, he's been in contact with Nick Saban as well. Um, so, you know, Saban talks about getting the guys that can help the team. Uh, they're always open to bringing guys in. Uh, you look at a guy like Tavian Feaster, who's probably looking for an opportunity to be a feature back somewhere. So wouldn't really make the most sense to come to Alabama. But at the same time, as far as a guy that could be like that Kenyon Drake, that Josh Jacobs role, uh, he certainly fits that bill, the uh, former number one all-purpose back in the country in the 2016 class. So that's something to watch if he were to uh, – you know, join the fold at Alabama. That's a major if at this point, but uh, something to wa- keep on the uh, keeping your back pocket for sure. And nothing else. You got uh, the potential to debrief a former Clemson player on everything he knows <laughs> about the hated Tigers uh, at this point. Hey, we have a new feature, another new feature we're going to break down for you today. It's the Built by Bama online podcast mailbag. We ask you for your questions on the BamaOnline.com roundtable. And checking in today is Camden Wilhelm 1 on the BOL roundtable. And this one's going to be directed more so at Hank. Hank, Camden Wilhelm 1 wants to know how many commitments, I guess how many players, how many recruits will Alabama sign for this 2020 class? And also, which wide receiver targets are at the top of your list? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And that's obviously uh, could be determined by whether or not Alabama takes any guys from the transfer portal to finish out this 2019 class. I believe there's not sure. I don't have a list right in front of me, but there's a spot or two left still open. And that obviously can uh, play into how many you can take in in the following class as far as the back counter situation goes. So um, it's going to be a full class, in my opinion. It's going to be 25 guys. I mean, maybe 26 at this point. I I think that's kind of a 25, 26 is a safe estimate to kind of to to look at, at at this point and you, you look at the class now it's at 16 commitments so uh 
you know, you think 10 more guys, I, I don't think you should really look at it in those terms. I think you kind of just continue to recruit and, and get the guys you can and kind of worry about the uh, numbers later because they always work out. The numbers always work out. That's kind of our motto um, come December and uh, January with with uh, recruiting. So, uh, yeah, 25, 26, I think that's kind of a safe estimate to go off of. Um, and then as, as far as the receiver position goes, uh, you know, it's a really, really deep class at the wide receiver position in, in 2020. You, you look at a guy, uh, or you look at the rankings, uh, the number 46 receiver in the country is, uh, is Treshawn Holden, who, who's an Alabama commit, and he's still in the top 247 of the 24-7 sports composite. So kind of just goes to show you how deep this class is, and, and it's a good year for Alabama uh, with it being that way, considering the need at receiver with, uh, you know, next next spring's NFL draft decisions that will likely impact Alabama at that position. Um, as far as guys I like, you know, I think Bama's done a really good job of evaluating talent at the position early and getting three commitments on board to Zalen Worsham, Treshawn Holden and Javon Baker. I think guys like Treshawn Holden and Javon Baker are two of the best in the class. We, we've seen Javon Baker just really explode this spring. You know, I think the rankings will eventually catch up to, to what he's been able to do. I think he's won MVP at three or four camps. He's going to be at the opening finals in June in Dallas. So we'll see him again there compete against the top competition. Treshawn Holden was one of the top players at the Adidas seven on seven national championship in Florida back in March, which earned him a boost in our rankings and 24 seven sports, own rankings. He's I think number one seventeen in the nation. Um, he's that big bodied, really physical receiver. He's a great route runner. He, uh, he just transferred out to uh, California to finish his high school ball. Um, he's going to be playing with another Bama target, um, at quarterback Jake Garcia in the 2021 class, so that'll be definitely fun to watch. And and I like to Zalen Worsham a lot too. You know, I don't think he gets a lot of a lot of credit for what he was able to do. He was playing in an offense last fall that also had Javarius Johnson, who came close to I think breaking the single season receiving yardage record um, in in, uh, in Alabama. Um, and, and he's you know earning his yards in in that offense as well, catching balls from Paul Tyson. I think he uh, I don't have a stats right in front of me, but he had a good year. He had nine or ten touchdowns. Um, and definitely made some plays in big time games too. You know, he was making big plays against uh, uh, Cedar Grove in that opener uh, last September against, um, or uh, that was featured on ESPN. So the three guys they have on board, I, I think, are big time players. Beyond that, you know, how many more receivers are they going to take? I, I think you can probably estimate at least one to two. It's it's a position of need. Uh, I know I know five would be a lot, but uh, they're still recruiting the position pretty hard. Guys like Tyu Jones Bell. He's a he's a top 100 receiver from South Florida. He's actually named Alabama his leader. Um, he's been on campus this spring. Uh, he's been on commit watch a few times. I think he'll be back in the summer. But he he's certainly one to watch, especially with you know what Bama's been able to do in South Florida, uh, getting wide receivers in, in recent cycles. It's worked out pretty well for him. Um, a new, a new guy that, uh, I think Bama fans need to know his name is, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name. I don't really have, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the pronunciation down yet, but Kayshawn boot out of, uh, Louisiana. He's the number Boutte. eight receiver. Boutte. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh, I'm just guessing. <laughs> Look, you said Louisiana. I jumped in with the, hey, the Boutte. That sounds know? better. That sounds better. Now, <laughs> uh, he, he's definitely one to watch. Uh, he, uh, Bama went out and saw him last week, uh, have heard that he's really impressed with this spring, uh, multiple staffs, but uh, I think he's really impressed Alabama, especially they offered him last week. And I actually have a story up on our, on our site right now on BIM online 
uh, about him saying it's 50-50 between Alabama and LSU, and he's currently committed to LSU. So, you know, Tigers fans can't really be liking the sound of that, but um, he, he's a playmaker as well. So there, there's a lot of guys I think more will emerge at camp. We've kind of seen it slow down on the offer front as far as offers go out because obviously they, there is limited space. They, they can't take all these receivers. Um, so uh, I think camp will determine a lot there. But those are two guys I think uh, are worth watching right now for, for Bama fans. Poor Hank South. Spring evaluation, camps, <laughs> official visits now year-round. Charlie, I mean, what do we got going on from a team perspective? What's the Nick Saban watch looking like moving forward now that we've gotten through the region's tradition in a in a couple of those golf tournaments? It's, it's pretty slow. I'm thankful for that. Um, <laughs> you have SEC spring meetings in Destin coming up. You'll have you the Knicks kids uh, golf tournament. Um, up in Vestavia pretty soon. And then pretty much after that, you'll just have um, SEC media days. So uh, I know that's coming pretty quick. I'm glad it's back in Birmingham, but really thankful for the months of May and June. I'll say that. Yeah. It looks like Nick and the other coaches are going to want to talk about these transfer deals, right? With the portal and, and everything else. looks like that's going to be a, a major topic of discussion down in Destin coming up at those spring meetings well guys it's fun as always to get together with you we'll do it uh, again we plan on doing this on a weekly basis although if there's commitments if there's team news breaking news of the sort you'll hear from us in those situations as well it is the built by bama online podcast thanks charlie potter no problem uh while you guys are enjoying the bachelorette i'm going to be crying to my sorrows over the end of game of thrones this weekend oh no my social, uh, my social media timeline is going to clear up immensely, though. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Hank, uh, hang in there, my man. Oh, well, I'm going to go get back to the uh, PGA Championship. Uh, not so good for Tiger on Thursday. Really good for Brooks Kepka, though, huh? Absolutely. The guy, the guy's a machine. You know, they're talking about the, the score being, you know, plus one being a good score on this course. And he's uh, last check before we got on the podcast, he was at minus six. So kind of shows how that's going. <laughs> yeah, Bam Bam finished up with a 63-700 uh, g- in the opening round. So uh, you're right. He's droid-like, that Brooks Kepka. That's going to do it for a edition of Built by Bama Online. Look forward to talking to you again real soon.